If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 682. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. If you're at YouTube, click on that little super thanks button under the video if you love it. Throw a few pennies my way that way. You can also go to McClanahanAcademy.com, McClanahanAcademy.com. Great way to support the show. You can purchase one or 20 courses there. That keeps the show free of charge. Also, if you go to BrianMcClanahan.com, that's B-R-I-O-N, McClanahan.com, and click on the support tab, you can throw a few pennies my way. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook, the same title read by yours truly. You get on my email list. Please do not unsubscribe. That's how you know about all kinds of cool things like coupons at McClanahan Academy. So lots of great ways to support the show. Also, go to anchor.fm. You can subscribe there or click on the shop tab at BrianMcClanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you love it. Share it around on social media. This is how we grow the audience and get people thinking locally and acting locally. Now, this is a really funny episode for me. And it's a funny episode, and it's kind of a dark, funny episode. But I've told you. This is I told you so episode. So in 2015, when uh, we saw the Dylan Roof uh, situation there in South Carolina, the murders, in South Carolina. And of course, all of the energy was focused then on Confederate symbols. And the left had turned their attention not only to Confederate symbols, Confederate flags, but Confederate monuments. And you know who got on board with that? The Straussians, the West Coast Straussians, right? The right, the neoconservatives, all these people jumped on board with the left. You see, because they believed, I think, and this is where Harry Jaffa is such an idiot. Harry Jaffa really believed that if he said equality was conservative, it would take that entire issue off the table, and then we could just talk about all the other things. What these people didn't realize is that the culture war was not a war, it was a revolution. And that revolution is going to keep on going until it destroys everything in its path. I don't think any of these people really understand their, their opponents in this. I mean, they, they just don't. And every time you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. So when the Confederate symbols and uh, Confederate statues... Uh, came under attack, I said, this is just the beginning. The supreme objective of all this is to eliminate anything traditional in Western civilization. It's not just Confederate symbols. And so you have all these righteous cause mythologists running around all the time, uh, saying things like, you know, putting up a white flag, a flag of surrender for the Confederate flag, and, um, you know, talking about uh, defeat, these colors... Uh, don't run, they surrender, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, all these, you know, uh, I'm William Tecumseh Sherman fan, all these U.S. Grant fans, all this stuff, all these Abraham Lincoln fans. Uh, we're the United States. We're the great guy. We're the good guys. And, of course, that righteous cause myth creates a false dichotomy of somehow a an anti-racist, anti-slavery North fighting a pro-racist, pro-slavery South. And if you could just get rid of, you know, expunge the South from American history. Now, you see this. People like Michael Anton, who says, I'm not uh, criticizing the South, but yet you're criticizing the South. And they want to expunge people like Calhoun and anyone from, uh, from the past, from the antebellum South, 
from American history because they're anti-American in their mind. They're not real Americans. Uh, there's something else. You know, if you read Forrest Neighbor's book on republicanism, uh, he basically paints the South as oligarchic. It wasn't. What these people are simply doing is regurgitating stupidity from people like Charles Sumner or Thad Stevens or all the radical Republicans, who, by the way, weren't conservatives. That's why it's my next course at McClanahan Academy. We're going to go through these radical Republicans, and I'm going to show you who these people really were. They weren't conservatives, and any conservative that runs around saying that Thad Stevens or Charles Sumner or any of these dopes is one of their guys has, has just completely destroyed American conservatism. These people wouldn't have been recognized as conservative in their own time. Now, you could also make the case for Thomas Jefferson in that way, but at least Jefferson was committed to federalism, whereas none of these idiots were. They were all nationalists. They all wanted to supplant uh, a type of New England society for the rest of America. I should say they're New England sectionalists, and they want America to look like New England. And, of course, New England has many of its own problems. But this is the issue, right? These people didn't believe in state powers. They didn't believe in federalism. They didn't believe in any of that. They believed in complete, uncontrolled power from the general government. And so when you have that, and then, of course, you sprinkle in this new cultural Marxism and the, and the revolution that has to consume everything, you have a real issue. When Eric Foner is supporting the same people you are and you call yourself a conservative, you've got big problems. You see, Eric Foner is a communist, and the communists understand that in order to transform society, you have to tear down everything else. This is what they did throughout the last 200 years. I mean, you start with, with France in the late 18th century and everything they did there. And then you move that forward into all the different uh, socialist and communist revolutions throughout the world into the 20th and 21st century. I mean, uh, look, uh, the Soviets understood that in order to remake Soviet society, they had to get rid of everything traditional, including, I mean, they had to create their own music. This was all kinds of, I mean, they were doing all kinds of things. If you want to read a great little short, concise book on that, get Richard Pipe's book on communism. Uh, they did all kinds of crazy things. And, you know, you look at uh, what was going on in Southeast Asia with groups like the Khmer Rouge and starting over, right? Pol Pot, you start with the new calendar. And this is what the French did. I mean, Pol Pot was, was uh, educated in France. The French really are the issue here. Um, and these, these modern Americans that want to get rid, they're, they're waging this culture war. It's not really a war. It's a revolution. It's a cultural revolution. They want to change the entire structure of American society. This is structural white supremacy. This is what they're talking about in all this. It has to be changed because structurally, it's a disaster for anybody that's not of European descent in, in America. And so I said then in 2015, I said at the Christian Science Monitor, this is only the beginning, right? We're, we're going to see uh, people taking down George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and anything traditional, all of that. The founding fathers are going to be gone. You're going to see traditional society remade. It's all going to happen. It has to happen because they can't have a, an America that they love unless it's their ideal America. These are all ideologues. And people didn't believe me. Oh, no, no. It's just going to stop at Confederate symbols. You, again, and people like Victor Davis Hanson. I mean, all of these people wanted to take down Confederate symbols because they thought if they could, again, expunge that, get rid of that from society, then the left couldn't criticize it for anything because their guys were the good guys. Their guys are the righteous cause guys. But what you're seeing now, which is absolutely hilarious to me, is the, uh, the cultural Marxists are now taking out their guys. Because you see, the dirty little secret in all this righteous cause mythology is that it's just a myth. There's no righteous cause in the North. You had a slaveholding 
American society in the North fighting a slaveholding American society in the South. And that American society was structurally racist to, to the left. I mean, these people were all racist. Abraham Lincoln was a racist. Southerners are racist. There's no people that weren't really in leadership positions and weren't really racist. Even when you read Charles Sumner, he's very hard, very critical of American Indians, for example. He calls them savages, essentially. And he, he, uh, I mean, he doesn't believe that any non-white peoples are really that fit for government without some type of um, European paternalism. And he, he thinks that they could get it because, of course, that's votes and he values in his own mind, his ideology, he values these things. But to a man, structurally, he doesn't really believe it. And, of course, Sumner and all these New Englanders never really grew up around anyone that wasn't really white. So this is all out of, out of ideology. That's what they're basing this on. So when, when you look at what's going to happen, there, you have to tear all that down, too. Right. I mean, this is this is the work of if you look at, you know, Tom DiLorenzo and William Marvel and other people that are writing books critical of northern society during the war. This is in recent books, not just talking about the Copperheads, who, of course, you know, I did the class on that, who were very critical of all these things, but recent books on this stuff. Um, and they're and they're really honest about these things. All the Alan Gelzos and Forrest Neighbors and Victor Davis Hansons, they can't they can't get it. Right? They don't really understand what's happening because their heroes are also flawed. Uh, I was looking at a social media thread the other day, and it was uh, Lindsay Chervinsky, and she talks about you know John Quincy Adams and how he was a racist. And of course, uh, uh, Annette Gordon-Reed chimes in and says, yeah, he was a racist, but we got it. And I said, so what about Abraham Lincoln? Well, what's that have to do with anything? Well, of course, Lincoln was, I mean, John Quincy Adams was racist. Abraham Lincoln was a racist. This is, I mean, if we're going to use the term, the modern definition of that term, all these people were. They didn't really believe in uh, the equality of the races in any way. They thought there were racial differences, and they thought those differences manifested themselves in different ways, and uh, that you know, Europeans were the destined group to, to control the world, essentially. And so you can't ha if you're if you are Nicole Hannah Jones and you're the 1619 Project or you're any of the cultural Marxists who are running around out there uh, and they want to tear down everything in American society, you can't have these people. So this is my point in 2015. This is why I've said on this podcast the initial answer to all these things should have been no, shut up, just no, shut up. You know, we want it. No, 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 shut up, just shut up. And now, from what I understand, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Levine. Uh, has now gotten he's he's abandoned Twitter for some reason, but now he's he's got his little Substack page uh, where he talks to himself. Uh, but somebody posted that uh, Kevin Levine um, has uh, has written a, a piece that um, saying that the Arlington Confederate Monument is now going to be not taken down, but they're going to take all the bronze off it, all the friezes, the statue, all the inscriptions. This is now being considered by the United States Army. Now I'm going to get to a quote in this piece, and I, I've gone long winded here talking about how, setting all this up in this piece, because it's not a long piece. But they're going to take this down just leave kind of like this piece of granite sitting in the ground. You know, that's it. You're not even going to know what it was. Why? Because Confederacy equals bad, United States equals good. And But the cultural Marxists don't see it that way. They don't ever see it that way. So again, this is appeasing who? It's appeasing nobody. All you're doing is digging your own grave. It's They might as well just take those bronze reliefs and just start digging their own grave with them culturally and, and intellectually because that's exactly what's going to happen. You take all this stuff down and what you're going to be left with is the cultural Marxists running everything in America and they don't want any of this stuff. I mean, they want to sandblast Stone Mountain. They want to get rid of Abraham Lincoln. They want to cancel him. 
They want to cancel George Washington. They want to cancel Thomas Jefferson. They want to cancel. They want to cancel the Constitution. They want to cancel the Declaration. They want to cancel it all. It, it's all written by people that uh, are not valuable in modern society because they held racial views that are not in line with modern society. So you have to get rid of them. And this is the dangerous part of all of this because, uh, and this is what I talk about. You know, don't spit on your ancestors' graves. And some some moron. Uh, responded that uh, we're not spitting on our ancestors' graves. We're just recognizing their flaw people. Will you do this with Abraham Lincoln? Will you do it with, I mean, will you do it with uh, with Benjamin Wade? How about these people? Are you going to go out and, and call them out for what they were? I mean, I know that Northerners are starting to do this. And people in the North, are, conservatives in the North, are starting to wait, say, wait a second here. This is not what we signed up for. We signed up just to bash the South, but now they're coming after us. And that's the piece that I want to get into today. This is in the Boston Globe. And it was published uh, just a, a day ago. Um, and the title is Racist Symbol or Historical Reminder? The Debate Over the Massachusetts State Seal. So this is hilarious. It's a long time coming, said Andrews Maltese, a member of the Special Commission on the Official Seal and Motto of the Commonwealth, which was established last year by the legislature. We'd like to see it transformed. So that's the thing. The... the, the the legislature started this commission, and the idea is to redo the state seal and, of course, by default, the state flag. Now, the first paragraph, <clears throat> in May, amid the ongoing national struggle over historical monuments and symbols, a special commission voted to recommend replacing the state seal and motto, and by extension, the state flag, a dramatic turning point for a symbol whose roots stretch back to 1629 and the chartering of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. So here we go. Right, Massachusetts is now racist. Now we know they always were, right? I mean, this is the dirty little secret in all of this. You would find some uh, ideologues in Massachusetts. You know, Charles Sumner is one of them. You would find these people, but for the most part, the people in Massachusetts, as we knew it with Boston in the 1970s, and you have the soiling old glory. If you've ever seen that image, it's a black guy getting hit with a U.S. flag. We know that. Massachusetts has always been, quote-unquote, racist. They always have been. Uh, this is why, you know, Roger Williams left the colony because he thought they were too hard on the Indian tribes. I mean, he's wanted to found Rhode Island because it was supposed to be much nicer on the tribes than Massachusetts. And so uh, this is amazing to me uh, that, uh, that people are, are bristling over this or are surprised by the fact that this would even happen. But this is last year, the Massachusetts legislature. I mean, again, they've got to consume their own. So I'm going to read this piece because it's hilarious. But the Volunteer Commission's unanimous vote masks sharp divisions among its 19 members, some of whom worry the recommendation constitutes historical myopia. Oh, my goodness. Uh, by the way, there was also this uh, interview that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez gave about Puerto Rico. And she's concerned that people are moving into Puerto Rico who aren't from Puerto Rico. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Uh, I'm concerned that people are moving to Puerto Rico. And, but nobody's going to call her a xenophobe or anything like that. Or uh, you got to deal with this stuff. You just got to deal with it. And all these, I mean, This is what Southerners are told over and over again. When they say, we don't want people moving in the South that are going to transform the South. No, you just got to deal with that. You just got to deal with it. Or, I mean, of course, Ocasio-Cortez... You just got to deal with immigration because that's that's the future. Uh, but now it's happening to her place. And no, 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 we don't we don't want this. We don't want this. You're seeing it in D.C. Oh, we don't want all these uh, legal uh, immigrants dumped into D.C. We don't know what to do. Or New York City. 
We don't want these people dumped into New York City. We don't know what to do with straining our resources. Well, welcome to the show, right? Welcome to the party, right? So this is this is hilarious when this kind of stuff happens to the other people because they all live in these little ideological worlds. And when it if somebody else is being is being transformed by this, we'd like to see it transformed. If it's Mississippi that's being transformed, if it's Alabama that's being transformed, that's okay. If it's South Carolina, we got to transform them. But come to Massachusetts, no, no. We can't do that. We can't transform Massachusetts. This can't happen. Now here is the funniest quote in the entire piece. This is the flag that crushed the Confederacy. And now to say that it's a racist symbol, I'm not buying it, said retired Brigadier General uh, Leonard Kondratuk. I don't know if, if I said his name right. 17,000 Massachusetts soldiers died fighting under that flag. Well... Uh, General, I bet you watch Fox News. And I bet you you read uh, Victor Davis Hanson. I bet you read all that. So here's a guy that has this false righteous cause myth and the false dichotomy. Anti-racist, anti-slavery North fighting racist, slave-holding South. And of course, if you can just expunge the South, well, this flag should be good because it's, it's, it fought the bad guys, right? It fought the bad guys. This is what I said about, uh, you know, the 1619 Project. I've said it over and over. The first essay by Nicole Hannah-Jones. She's looking at the U.S. flag and saying, well, how can anybody support that flag? And, of course, her father says, well, I mean, this is, this is a good flag. She's saying, well, I don't know. I don't know if the U.S. flag is a good flag. I mean, it's done all these horrible things. How can we say it's a good flag? You see, symbols should be left to the people that interpret them. You shouldn't take any symbols down. Right. And it's, it should be left to the people that have a positive view of those symbols. Nobody from the outside should be able to tell you what your symbol means. What that symbol, of, you know, whether it's the U.S. flag. We don't want anybody around the world saying the U.S. flag is racist. The U.S. flag is a... No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not that. Well, Nicole Hannah-Jones is saying it is. So is it? So I guess if we're going to bow to the people that say it's bad, then we should get rid of it. I mean, this is the thing, right? So uh, Brigadier General, uh, the Brigadier General here... Uh, is uh, is echoing, saying something that Southerners have been saying for a long time. This is why it's so funny to me. This is the funniest quote. You know who's mute on all this stuff? A lot of the righteous cause mythologists right now. They're mute because they know. Uh, well, I think we messed up here. And they can't stop it now. They've opened the Pandora's box. I mean, if, 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 uh, if we have to transform all these things and we have to get rid of all these symbols, they have to go. Everything has to go. All these monuments, union monuments, they all have to go. All of it has to go. It should just all come down. There should be nothing left if you really want to follow the line of thinking and all these things. This is the manumission monument, Abraham Lincoln. That's racist. right? The people want to take that down. You see, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. But of course, it has to come down. Meanwhile, John Peters, Jr., executive director of the state's Commission on Indian Affairs, says he quickly regretted his vote. I was kicking myself, said Peters, who voted in part to honor his late father, who first sought to establish a commission some 40 years ago. When I look at that flag, it's like a true depiction of what happened to the native people here, he continued. Changing the seal gives the Commonwealth an opportunity to forget about that history. So if we change it, we're going to forget about it. Now, if you don't know the state seal, and it's going to be described here in a minute, but it has an American Indian there, and it has a guy holding a sword above it like he's going to chop his head off. 
and so this is where you know the, the, we can't forget about these. And what, didn't didn't people in the South say this? If we if we take the the battle flag out, the Mississippi flag, we're going to forget about these things. This is the arguments being made in the South. If we take down Confederate monuments, we're going to forget about this. No, no, no. Taking them down is important. We we're not changing history. We're not doing anything. We're going to put these things in demolished state museums. Or we're just going to put them in a sewage treatment plant. We're not changing history. We're not doing anything. We're not putting it out there to forget. It's not about forgetting. It's about contextualization. It's about. But here we have a guy saying, well, if we take it off, we're going to forget. Hmm. It's amazing how these arguments are now being used in other parts of the United States. It's, it, it, was, it was bad when Southerners are saying it, but now that a bunch of Northerners, Massachusetts, are saying it, well, it's okay then. Designed by illustrator Edmund Garrett in 1898, the current seal draws on the original seal of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, which featured a Native American man, naked but for some shrubbery about his groin, saying, come over and help us. Now, this is the funny thing about the Brigadier General. This current seal didn't fly, didn't fight the South. It was the old one that would have fought the South, right? The, uh, the real uh, racist symbol, uh, white paternalism symbol. This one is, uh, is a little different. This is from 1898, so 30 years after the war was over. In Garrett's rendering, the Native American... Oh, by the way, about the same time the current, uh, the, the old Mississippi flag was created. Now, that was created uh, in about in 1890. About the same time. So here we have Mississippi creating its flag and Massachusetts creating its flag about the same time. And they actually put the two together in the piece. In Garrett's rendering, the Native American figure is shown clothed and in front of a blue shield. He too holds a bow in one hand and a downward pointing arrow in the other, a sign of peace, or perhaps submission. But that's where the similarities end. Garrett's seal includes a disembodied arm holding a broadsword above the Native man as if, to, as if ready to strike, an element first introduced during the Revolutionary War, while below him unfurls the state motto in Latin, By the sword we seek peace, but peace only under liberty. By the sword, we the South understood that. By the sword, we seek peace. I mean, this is like Orwellian stuff, right? Peace is, you know, uh, war is peace, but peace only under liberty. So we're going to keep fighting it. This is this is cultural imperialism at its finest. This is what Massachusetts was. Writing in New England Magazine, Garrett described how the sword depicted once belonged to Miles Standish, a 17th century military commander for the Plymouth Colony, known for his brutality toward the indigenous population. It's just a constant reminder, said Brian Whedon, chairman of the uh, Mashpee Wanapog tribe. The sword was not a friend to the indigenous people. The native figure in Garrett's design is also a hodgepodge. His uh, bodily proportions are based on a skeleton found in Winthrop, while he, the head is modeled on a photograph of a Chippewa chief from the Dakotas region, whom Garrett described as a fine specimen of an Indian. Onto his, this hybrid figure, the designer added a belt based on one said to have belonged to Metacom, the Wanapog leader who fought colonists during King Philip's War, a bloody conflict of the 1670s. Metacom, also known as King Philip, was beheaded after his death by colonists who quartered his corpse. They hung his head on a pike for over 20 years at Plymouth, said Whedon, who co-chairs a special commission on the seal. Everything's wrong with it. So you see, uh, the, the, uh, the problem here is that we were basing this on the 17th century anti, anti the racist uh, pilgrims and Puritans. That's the problem, right? King Philip's War. If you take my U.S. history at, at uh, McClanahan Academy, I get into this and I, I talk about these things, but this is the issue. You know, it's based on everything's wrong with this. Everything is wrong 
with this part. Even though we fought the Confederacy, we still have all these skeletons in our claw. Of course, you know, you've got uh, Harvard now um, uh, uh, reconciling with its uh, with its slave past. I talked about that, but this is all it's 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 hilarious to me because all the stuff that they push is now coming back to bite them, and they don't like it because as long as it happens in Mississippi, it's okay. And I'll get to that here in a minute. But Commission Member Khan Ratuk, a herald, uh, heraldic expert who served as a military historian for the National Guard and U.S. Army for more than four decades, said such objections are a misreading of the heraldry. That's the arm of God protecting the Commonwealth, he said, referring to the upraised sword. That symbol has been used in European heraldry for hundreds of years. He added that the native figure's downward-facing arrow indicates peaceful intent. So this is the Brigadier General, very upset about how uh, they're misrepresenting this flag. Can you not say the same thing about the cross of St. Andrews? I mean, do, are we going to get rid of the Scottish flag? This is just stupid. This is the stupidity is everywhere among these people because they are ideologues. And they, ha they have to have, you know, end game has to be this. A has to lead to B. And, and if we get to B, well, then we got to move the B a little further out because we got we got to take care of everything that could kind of wrap into that. The Native American on there is an homage to the Native Americans, Kondrakit said, adding he voted with the pact to see what recommendations the commission would produce. As for the motto, that's an allusion to the monarchy, continued. The founding fathers would have been very familiar with that. Oh. Okay. But, I mean, this is, this is, he voted with the pact just to see what they're going to come up with, but I'm going to vote against that. But Native Americans have found the image offensive for years, which led Peter's father, also named John Peters, to begin trying to change the seal and flag in the mid-1980s. They've been upset with this, and it doesn't matter what this Brigadier General says, because he doesn't really represent the true meaning of the flag. Well, can you again, can you not say that about what people have been saying about Confederate flags? Or, or state flags like you know, Mississippi, Georgia? It doesn't matter. I mean, these people want this stuff gone. Working with former state representative Brian Rushing, the elder Peters, who preceded his son as executive director of the state's commission on Indian affairs, submitted legislation each year to establish a special commission on the seal, and each year the measure would die in committee. There's this kind of conservatism about the flag and the seal, said Rushing, who represented the 9th Suffolk District. If you ask people what's good about it, no one can tell you except that it's what we have. Huh. Wow. That's interesting. There's a kind of conservatism about it. Kind of like, you know, keeping the Mississippi state flag or the Georgia state flag. But you couldn't do that. The revolution had to consume those things. And now it's coming from Massachusetts and, uh, you know, it just has to go. Peter's known as Slow Turtle, continued working to change the seal until his death in 1997. The sword was really the issue, said John Peters Jr., speaking outside his great-grandmother's old home, which now houses the Mashpee Wanapog Museum. He would just say it wasn't right. The younger Peters took up the cause when he became head of the Commission on Indian Affairs in 1999. Then in 2018, activists began holding informal sessions around the state and urging communities to pass a resolution in support of the effort. We always go door to door, said David Detmold, a carpenter who coordinates a supporting website from his home in Montauk. We do the best we can to educate people on the issue before it comes up to a vote. The effect Effort, I'm sorry, gained momentum in the summer of 2020 following the murder of George Floyd when protesters around the country toppled Confederate statues and called for the removal of other emblems and imagery considered offensive. You see, it can't just be about Confederate stuff. It has to be about all these other things. Anybody that can... Uh, look, I am offended by all these Union monuments. They offend me. 
They offend me every day. I'm offended by Abraham Lincoln. I mean, we should just go ahead and just take these things down too because they're offensive. I mean, anyone with uh, you know family members or anything, that any ties to, uh, to the Confederacy would probably be offended by all this stuff, the Union. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe they should be offended by it and they should have it all of it taken down. It's offensive. In November 2020, Mississippi voted to replace the state's Confederate-themed flag with one bearing a magnolia, exerting more pressure on Massachusetts to examine its own seal and flag. <laughs> Mississippi put pressure on Massachusetts. Hilarious when you think about it. When you look at the controversies that have occurred, they boil down to finally Mississippi and Massachusetts, said Detmold, who added scores of communities have adopted the resolution, including Cambridge and Belmont. I would feel confident in calling it the last state flag of white supremacy still flying in America today. I mean, think about it. Think about what he's just saying here. Oh, these Massachusetts, this is what the Brigadier General, this isn't white supremacy. This is, this is, this is not that at all. This is not white supremacy. What well, you people are crazy. This is, uh, have Southerners not been saying these things? Have, have people not been saying these things in the South for a long time? Massachusetts can cast stones at everyone else's house, but when the stones come come flying back at them, no, 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 we're pure. We're pure as a driven snow. We don't do any of these things. We are. We fought the bad guys. We were the good guys. The revolution must consume all. Approved by Governor Charlie Baker in January 2020, the Volunteer Commission, Volunteer Commission, these are all volunteers. Now, there's an important volunteer on this committee I'm going to talk about in a second. Got off to a slow start, meeting only twice during its first 46 weeks as it sought to develop suggestions for a revised seal and motto and make recommendations for an educational program that would be included in a report. The commission was supposed to have completed its task by October 1st, 2021. It has since asked for several extensions, and though it now has through the end of the year, it recently requested a revised deadline of March 31st, 2023. The extensions were more a result of waiting on all of the members to be named, said Brian Boyles, executive director of the Massachusetts Foundation for the Humanities, who co-chairs the commission. Given the weight of it, what I think is a unique uh, composition, an attempt to bring some equity between indigenous and non-indigenous members, I'm not sure how much faster we could have gone. It's all about equity, right? Can't have people on there that don't, that don't, we don't have equity on this. See, this is, again, this is all based on ideology. Now, following the commission's vote in May, big questions remain, and there is little consensus among Native communities to say nothing of the state's broader population about what the final outcome should be. It's not the Native flag of Indigenous people, said Commission Member Elizabeth Solomon, who serves as treasurer of the Ma of the uh, uh, Massachusetts tribe at, at uh, Penacamog. It's a flag of the Commonwealth, and what do we do as members of the Commonwealth want to protect? And what do we as members of the Commonwealth want to protect? Should there even be a Native American figure on the seal? If so, should it be a recognizable historical figure? Should the design involve natural elements such as pine cones, the state tree, American elm, or the state game bird, wild turkey? So let's just have some pine cones, an elm, and a turkey on there. I mean, that sounds great. Commission member Micah Whitston. Now, maybe you've never heard of Micah Whitston before. Micah Whitston is from Alabama. Micah Whitston, uh, Winston, Whitston, I'm sorry, went to Old Miss. And Micah Whitston... Michael Whitson designed the new Mississippi state flag, and here he is on the commission in Massachusetts to redesign its state flag. Wow. He lives in Boston, by the way. What an opportunist. Who helped design Mississippi's new flag said he hoped the commission would offer well-researched and well-discussed options for the legislature to consider. It's a tall order. 
The seal must strive to represent the Commonwealth's 7 million residents while also avoiding bland neutrality. A lot of the work is, is to find whether there's something that is actively leaving people out or openly biased, said Whitson, who's looking for images that are perhaps more gestural or symbolic than physical. You'll never find anything that represents everyone. So here we have Micah Whitson, the revolutionary, now coming to Massachusetts. I find all this to be so funny that, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's just beautiful. It's poetic what's happening in Massachusetts. Because all these people, who I'm sure, I mean, look, the Brigadier General will be fine with taking out all these Confederate stuff, but no, 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 don't come from Massachusetts. Don't come from Massachusetts. That's, we're the good guys. We're the good guys. But yet, now, they're not necessarily the good guys. So I had to cover this because it's just really funny and, again, indicative of what's happening in the world today. I'll see you tomorrow on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then. 